What we're trying to do is create uh, really an exceptional work environment um, for our clinicians. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with Hims. In this episode, we are sitting down with Dr. Yan Chow, Global Healthcare Leader at Automation Anywhere, and Marcus Johnson, Managing Director of Delivery at Lumevity. Today, we'll be talking about the expanding role of the healthcare CIO and mastering automation to accelerate business transformation within healthcare organizations. And before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Automation Anywhere for sponsoring this podcast. Dr. Chow, Marcus, thanks for joining us today. Dr. Chow, I believe you have some questions for Marcus. Yes, thank you, Marianne. Marcus, great to see you again. Uh, yeah, tell us a bit about Highmark and Lumevity, the various hats you wear and how you've helped the organizations. Yeah, I would be, I would be happy to. So Highmark is, uh, we're over a $20 billion uh, integrated health company based in Western PA. Uh, so under our umbrella of companies, uh, we have a Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, insurance company um, providing health insurance in Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware, West Virginia, um, New York, um, and uh, to national accounts as well. Uh, we have a hospital system, uh, the Allegheny Health Network, uh, 14 hospital system, uh, primarily based in Western Pennsylvania up into Western New York State a little bit as well. Uh, we have a technology business. Uh, we have uh, several diversified businesses such as dental insurance, reinsurance, and our latest business, uh, which is Lumevity, um, one of the business, the business that I help lead for Highmark. And Lumevity is really focused on bringing our approach to business transformation out to other companies. Um, and we do that through uh, management consulting, uh, automation solutions, the use of agile, uh, and change management and ideation uh, to engage the workforce. Uh, we've been on a journey at Highmark for the last five years, really reinventing how we do work as a company, simplifying our business processes, automating our business processes, and just finding ways to be more efficient and effective. Uh, as you know, Jan, um, healthcare is a challenging environment. Um, and the more effective we can get in terms of doing our work and running our business processes, uh, the better off we are and the better able we are to serve our members uh, and serve our patients. Um, and we think we developed a pretty differentiated approach uh, to driving change. Um, and that's what we are now uh, bringing out to others uh, through Lumevity. Thanks. I think um, my, my question would be, when did you actually realize you had to consider process automation? Was it a was there a particular business challenge or operational challenge that led you down that path? Yeah, so so we we you know kind of stepped into it through um, starting kind of with process engineering actually, um, and you know I would actually recommend you know anyone always think about process engineering you know in combination with automation. But you know what we found is that we were doing a lot of work uh, through process reengineering, um, and we were getting benefits out of it, um, and we were certainly seeing improvements. Um, but we were hitting kind of two roadblocks first is, you know, we could get some of the cost and some of the efficiency out, but we knew that without automation, we couldn't fully maximize the potential value inherent in leaning out those business processes. And the second is, um, you know, a lot of our business processes run on very complex uh, legacy applications. And going in and changing those applications can be very expensive. It can be very time-consuming. 
And we started to look at, you know, lighter weight uh, automation solutions such as RPA and say, you know, we can get a lot of the benefit or all of the benefit um, through these sorts of tools and we can do it faster and we can do it cheaper um, than going in and re-architecting within those core kind of legacy application systems. So, you know, it wasn't kind of one burning event that, that told us, you know, now is the time to go and, and start using RPA. It was looking at the outcomes we were getting from our work, you know, realizing we were making good progress, but that we weren't getting all of the potential benefit. And in looking at that, and looking at the speed to value, you know, that that's where for us, you know, RPA, you know, became, you know, one of the, the key levers, uh, one of the key mm-hmm. tools that, that we now use. Mm-hmm. I think as a healthcare leader, it's really interesting because there's so many new technologies coming down the pike. How did you start to think about or conceptualize automation within the tech framework of your organization and how could you implement it within your team? And are there lessons that you can you think might apply elsewhere? It's it's a great question. Um, you know, so you know, we, we started off with kind of a, a couple of kind of guiding principles around it. Um, you know, the and and we spent a lot of time thinking about our operating model at the outset. Um, because you're right, it is a very complex environment. So, you know, one of the things we said is that we have to have IT automation teams and the business at the table for any automation that we're doing. And that that's the only way that we're going to be sure that we aren't um, inadvertently breaking something upstream or downstream in a business right. process with that automation. Um, and secondarily, that we don't have something on a, a roadmap somewhere, um, you know, that we're going and building something with an automation solution that, that mm-hmm. you know, may be covered with kind of a, a larger application investment that that's being made. But by being very insistent in having kind of the right governance, mm-hmm. that we're getting kind of the right folks at the table and evaluating every automation opportunity and asking those questions, you know, that provided us kind of the confidence that, you know, we could, you know, make up those automation tools, start to drive them into our IT environment, um, but do it in a way that we knew would only be kind of helpful for the business, uh, helpful for what we were trying to achieve um, and really kind of de-risk uh, the program through doing that. You know, it's interesting though, the last couple of months, as we all know, all of us have been disrupted by many things. And in healthcare particularly, there've been disruptions in uh, economics and staffing, supply chain, so many areas. Has this changed your approach to automation? Yeah, it, it has, yeah. So, you know, one of the, the big things we see is, um, you know, particularly on, on the hospital side, on the provider side is, you know, there, there are a lot of staffing shortages, you know, particularly nurses, but it's not just nurses. Um, and, you know, what we're trying to do is create uh, really an exceptional work environment um, for our clinicians. And, you know, we look at the administrative tasks uh, that they're asked to do. Um, and if we can automate or simplify those tasks, mm-hmm. You know, that allows them to work more at the top of their license. It allows them to really focus on the work, why they got into clinical care to begin with, which is treating the patients, not updating EMR records. Um, So, you know, we 
initially you had you know a lot of focus on kind of efficiency kind of with our automation program mm -hmm. we are now kind of also saying yeah if efficiency is important and you know we're not not doing that work but we're also looking at experience and saying mm -hmm. Can we use these sorts of tools to improve the experiences um, of our, our clinicians, of our workforce, of our members or our patients? Um, and, you know, we're finding, you know, more opportunities with that lens on it, um, which is, you know, in this environment, you know, as critical, if not more critical uh, than just going and, and driving efficiency in a business process. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of a startup I saw decades ago that had a proprietary algorithm for optimizing surgery scheduling times. And they found out that even though it added an extra hour of uh, OR time, which is amazing for the hospital, the surgeons hated it because now they had no coffee break, I would say. So what, what, you say, what would you say is the biggest barrier or barriers today to the adoption of automation? It's a good question. Um... You know, in the early days for us, you know, it was definitely the fear factor. Um, and it was the bots are coming for our jobs. And we spent a lot of time marketing and, and really communicating internally to, to Highmark. Um, that no, the, the bots aren't coming for your jobs. The bots are coming for the rote tasks that, mm. that you don't want to be doing. And we were very intentional about finding use cases early on um, that just made people's lives better. We found those really annoying tasks that people didn't want to be spending their time doing, and we went and automated them. Uh, we did it in finance around uh, a process they had around these manual uploads for journal entries. Uh, we did it in our health plan and utilization management around collecting information to put together cases for medical review. Um, and you know, as we, we got those use cases out and we got them publicized, um, you know, that really started to break down the resistance and, and break down kind of the, the fear factor around it. So, um, you know, for us, I think we've really gotten through kind of that, that resistance barrier. Um, you know, I would say probably the two biggest challenges for us right now are, you know, now that the floodgates have opened, um, you know, we're just seeing a lot more use cases. So, so coming up with kind of a, a good way to prioritize the work mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we have a balanced portfolio between experience, between efficiency, between just making life better. Um, you know, those are the types of questions that we spend a lot of time kind of wrestling around and now, um, you know, they're much better questions to, to answer uh, and ask. Um, but, you know, those, those are the sorts of things now that, that the program has matured quite a bit uh, that, that we get to focus on. And I suppose the, the fear level is, is different at the C-level versus the, let's say, the physician or the receptionist level. It is. Yeah. You know, the, the, the C-level and, and, you know, it was all about what is the risk that you're introducing? We had a lot of discussions around risk early on. Mm. Um, and, you know, we had to really be intentional around building some business processes uh, to mitigate that risk. So, you know, a couple that I think of were, um, you know, if you are pointing, pointing a bot against kind of any application, if that application has an upgrade, um, mm. that, that can break your bot, right? So we had to get, 
you know, a very defined business process in place that, that we could kind of prove to our C-suite that, that, you know, we have that under control, um, that, that, you know, we are now pointing this digital worker against this application. And we know when the application is going to change because now we're getting a copy of the roadmap and we can regress and test our bot and then make sure that it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had, you know, concerns around, you know, what I was talking about, um, you know, in terms of, you know, job loss and kind of the, the how is the PR and kind of the community going to react to that? And we were able to explain, you know, this isn't really about job loss. This is about like rote task loss mm-hmm. and allowing our re- workforce to be more productive um, and work higher. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was interestingly, thematically, some of the same themes, um, but, you know, uh, more of kind of risk-based discussion that we were having with the C-suite, you know, at, at kind of the, the lower down levels in the organization, it tends to be more of an operational discussion. What is this, what does this mean for the work? And and then ultimately, what does this mean for me? Um, tend to be the, the questions we have to, to answer there. Yeah. And I think that approach to risk is uh, spot on. It's sort of developing a roadmap that takes measurable and acceptable risks step-by-step. Um, Thankfully, there were some benefits, I understand. So what benefits were you seeing or are you seeing in the area? Yeah, but, you know, it's funny because yeah, I was talking about risk, but but what we find is actually where we introduce bots, it actually de-risks the process mm, right. because what you end up with is you end up with kind of an auditable trail of exactly what has happened. Mm. Um, the bots, you know, don't make mistakes. Um, you know, the bots don't fat finger, you know, keyboard. So, you know, what we've actually found is, you know, once we get the bot in, uh, we, we actually de-risk our work and our mm. quality goes up. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion, you know, with RPA and 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 rightfully so around kind of the efficiencies it gives you. But you know, what we found is uh, there are a lot of operational benefits. So I mm-hmm. talked about kind of the quality aspects. Cycle time is another big one. Um, you know, uh, we just get our backlogs, um, you know, reduced faster. Mm-hmm. Um, we get transactions processed faster, um, and then cycle time can be really really important. Um, you know, particularly in a heavily regulated environment like healthcare, where you have government reporting that has to be done um, on a, a time-bound basis. Um, and, you know, there's compliance fines and fees if, if you miss that. So, you know, having the ability to be very certain that, you know, this will be the cycle time of the process and this is when we can do our reporting and we know that that's compliant um, you know, that's ultimately another way that we're de-risking our business, um, actually through the use of this technology. And, you know, when I talk to healthcare leaders, uh, probably the number one priority today is the, sh- the shortage of staff. And I suppose that could probably help with the automation argument, I would, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does. It, it does in, in, in two ways. Um, you know, the first is on the clinical side, the, the experience piece is important, right? Because if we can provide, right. you know, a differentiated experience that allows us to retain, retain the staff that we have. Um, so that becomes, that becomes very important. Um, you know, and then secondly, um, you know, particularly in, in some of the non-clinical areas, you know, we gain a lot of capacity um, with the bots. Um, so, you know, I think of areas like revenue cycle management, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do a lot with automation there 
And, you know, those are, you know, pretty specialized jobs that aren't always so easy to fill. So, you know, if we can put a bot and, you know, increase the capacity of our human workforce and have kind of this hybrid workforce of digital workers with human workers, you know, it allows us to extend the capacity of those human workers, um, you know, and get more done or the same done, um, you know, in a labor constrained environment. So, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, not, not fully solving for the labor shortage. I, I don't think any system has kind of figured that out completely yet, um, but it certainly helps. Yeah, and I totally uh, agree with you because I just read a recent survey a couple of days ago that said that on the average, the revenue cycle departments in most hospital organizations are 25 to 75% people down. That is, they're open, unfilled positions, which is pretty scary. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and that is that is literally translates to dollars being you know exactly exactly left, left in the system. So um, it's interesting that so you, you're seeing benefits and and it sort of makes a lot of sense. How about the next step where you scale it? You know, when you start to expand it, um, how do you think about scalability? What are the sort of uh, what would, what advice would you give to folks who are facing the same situation? Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I think a big part, and, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, is is the operating model through scalability. Um, and, you know, when, when we looked at our operating model, you know, we, we said we wanted a federated operating model. And, and essentially what that means is that we have kind of a, a centralized team that, that provides standards, provides kind of the rules of the road, if you will, and, and we'll do development um, for the organization. But, you know, what we've said is, you know, that, that, that's great, but it probably is insufficient to get us the volume that, that we know is out there, right? So, you know, we then also allow the BUs, our business units, to set up automation teams as well. And it's really important that those teams work in, in tight conjunction with our centralized team so that we have one consistent approach mm. to automation. We have one consistent set of standards. You know, we have quality standards and, and we know that the automations going into the environment are, are good and appropriate. And, and the centralized team helps with that. But, you know, by allowing a citizen developer model, um, and allowing teams in the, the BUs, that, that allows us to scale. Um, and that allows us to take on more use cases, put more automations in, uh, give our business units the ability to, you know, steer their roadmap in the direction to the priorities that are highest for them. Um, and, and that's ultimately, I think, how you, you scale one of these programs. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I do think it's important um, not to totally decentralize because I think, you know, in my, in my experience, seeing companies that have done that in, in a lot of cases, they're trying to walk stuff back a couple of years later because they get just, you know, too many different tools, too many different solutions in the environment. And it becomes a, a, little, a little too complex to manage effectively. Well, Marcus, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, any last words of wisdom for our listeners before we close? I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing that I always talk about with this is, you know, when you're starting one of these programs or, or starting to scale one of these programs, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in analysis paralysis. There, there's, you know, lots of different operating models. There's lots of different tools. There's lots of different, you know, delivery models. And, 
you know, I think you could spend probably two years trying to evaluate and, and come up with kind of the, the perfect model to go and, and start one of these programs. Um, you know, by the time you get the perfect model, everything's changed and you got to go redo that work. So, you know, the, the, the advice that I have is take a very agile approach. Um, we've taken a very agile approach and, and we've gotten, we got started, we got started small, we got started imperfectly, um, but then we improved um, and we grew and we improved and grew. And, and I think just go get started, find a pilot, find two pilots, um, see how it goes and then build from there is, is probably the most important thing that I would tell people contemplating or, or kind of in the early days of one of these, these programs. I think technologically, it's, it's difficult to plan five years, much less 10 years ahead. So because technology is changing, it's okay to get a temporary solution you know, yep, it's because you, you, you get started, you start learning. And you get value. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing has to be perfect from the beginning. In fact, nothing often is perfect. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that's a great approach and it's a reasonable approach given the, the disruptions and changes in healthcare today. Yeah. Um, Marion, back to you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Dr. Chow. Thank you both so much for joining us today and for your insights. And a special thanks again to Automation Anywhere for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day.